0: Welcome to the Wealth Edit Podcast, a place where talking about finances is only polite. We talk to women and hear the stories behind how they have built their beautiful lives, whether that be inside or outside the home. I'm Emily Laster, and on this show, Lauren and I interview Krista Cotton, founder and CEO of El Guapo Bitters. Krista discusses what it means to be a female entrepreneur and the hustle it requires. All right. Good morning, everybody we're so excited to see so many. That's so much fun. I know. Thank y'all for joining us today. Today we have one of our, um, our favorite new friends from The Wealth Edit, Krista Cotton from Elk Guapo Bitters. She um, joined Wealth Edit, joined a small group, and just a friendship immediately started. And so she has been so amazing, such a great supporter of us, so thank you for that. Um, but on top of all that, Krista has built an amazing business and it is a beverage group. So El Guapo Bitters does tonics and syrups and bitters for making a wonderful cocktail. And she has earned, you know, widespread acclaim Mm -hmm. from all over the country, um, for just her amazing product. So we're very excited to have you today and to hear more about El Guapo and your own story. So why don't we start today just hearing a little bit about who you are and um, where you, where all this started.
1: Yeah. Hi y'all. So I'm Krista. I, um, full disclosure, am getting a manicure while we're doing this interview because I I have to do a photo shoot tomorrow and i also have a two-year-old and my life is a hot mess so uh, if you're an entrepreneur and trying to figure out how to get it all done the answer is you can't and you just have to just roll with it so here we are um so i live in new orleans and i own new orleans beverage group and my trademark for my product line is el guapo bitters So uh, as Emily was saying, we do bitters, syrups, and mixers, and our clients are uh, Whole Foods, we work with Costco, we're in Neiman Marcus, Uh, we are launching, well, the PR announcement hasn't gone out yet, but we're launching a big partnership with Commander's Palace. Uh, I work with, I graduated from Auburn. I work with Auburn University on project pr- private projects. And then I also work with Alabama. We're doing a project with the University of Georgia. So our clients are widespread and we do all sorts of different private label things and virtual tailgating, which is what we're doing for the universities. Um, but really our bread and butter is our product line. Uh, so we do zero proof drinks that are alternatives to cocktails. And then we make a lot of cocktails. So if you like to drink, you can visit our website and see myriad different recipes, um, and it's a lot of fun. I love it. So to get to this point, um, I, I grew up in southwest Georgia in a little tiny town called Leesburg. No one had ever heard of it until Luke Bryan became famous. It's a city of 3,200, like literal middle of nowhere. I hated it. Um, <laughs> what was that?
2: It's better guys to camp at stand It's a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> big deal. It's, it's like
1: not the best place to grow up, but anyway, I digress. Uh, so I thought I wanted to go to Tulane, which is here in New Orleans, and ultimately I decided to go to Auburn University in Alabama, uh, and I loved it. And it ended up being a really good decision because uh, Hurricane Katrina hit my freshman year, and it would have been a disaster for me from a school experience wise. So I stayed at Auburn for the full year, for the full the first four years and helped my parents. So my parents have a commercial real estate company and it's all grocery anchored. It's one of the largest privately held real estate portfolios in the Southeast and it's based in Columbus, Georgia. So for the first half of college, I helped my parents uh, really fix properties that had been decimated throughout the Gulf Coast region by Hurricane Katrina. Uh, And then you know halfway through college the financial meltdown was happening in 2007 2008 and my dad said, you know We really need to diversify as a family. It doesn't make sense for us to have just grocery anchored properties We need to do something else because if another storm comes, you know, it could bankrupt us as a family Uh, so he decided after seeing an article in the Wall Street Journal about a distiller in Atchison, Kansas that he was going to open a distillery and this was before the big boom of craft distilling and craft brewing and all of his friends said oh god he's having a midlife crisis he's not really going to do this well he did so i spent the last half of my time at auburn helping my father open Georgia's first craft distillery with his 13th colony so, I learned a ton about licensing, distribution, coding, like how the back end of operations for a liquor business actually works. And once I had graduated from Auburn in 2010, I decided that I wanted to learn more about market research. So, I moved to New Orleans, got a job here at a local ad agency loved it but didn't love it enough to stay i really felt like i was working a lot and not making a ton of money so i did some consulting for a while and then ultimately got the opportunity to buy el guapo the trademark and at the time i was producing for top chef the tv show in bravo um and ultimately just was really busy and didn't think i wanted to do it but after reviewing the numbers and talking to my parents and also my partner um they both said, you know, we really need to do this. And my dad said, if you don't do it, I'm going to. And that's really the push that I needed to buy the trademark. So I started my own company, rolled up all the assets into New Orleans Beverage Group. And before I knew it, I was manufacturing bitters. Uh, so it's been a really chaotic three and a half years, but it's been really, really fun. Uh, this will be our first year over a million dollars, which is a really big deal. I'm also one of the only... Um, people that have, has a company in the Southeast that does our own manufacturing. We don't co- co-pack or co-manufacture, either, we do it all ourselves. So that has given us the ability, especially with COVID, to be really nimble and do private label projects for people like Commander's Palace and Auburn University. If you co-pack with people, your minimums are so high that it really, um, prohibits you from doing a lot of projects that could be lucrative, but are hard to do on a shorter timeline if you don't control your own process. Uh, so I've learned a lot and I feel like COVID has been really great for me, um, because I've been able to take pivot and take, and take advantage of a lot of opportunities, but, um, you know, it's also really chaotic. Like if you weren't on the call earlier, I said, I'm actually getting a manicure while we do this because I have to do a photo shoot tomorrow. So, you know, I'm just trying to figure it out like everybody else.
2: It is, it's just like that. There's just no perfect path in entrepreneurship, but it sounds like yours has been a good one. And congratulations. I don't know if y'all know this, but only 2% of female-owned businesses make over a million dollars a year. So it's a huge deal that you're a part of that group. Um, so, well, first I'm going to make it like a two-part question that have nothing to do with each other, but one, El Guapo, where did the name come from? Okay.
1: So we don't really talk about this a lot publicly, but the original owner of the company, his military nickname was El Guapo. And if you saw him, I promise, every woman on this call would beg to differ. Uh, (laughs) So uh, We did a lot of research. My background is in advertising. And ultimately we decided to keep the name. New Orleans has a lot more Spanish colonial influence and architecture than French, even though people generally think of New Orleans as a French city, it's actually a Spanish city. Uh, And then, you know, I have a partially Hispanic family. Uh, their original founder had a partially Hispanic family and ultimately we had gained too much traction already at that point to switch it. So we just kept it. And now we say El Guapo is my Bernie's mountain dog and he is handsome. handsome. (laughs) (laughs) And if you don't know El Guapo means Mr. Handsome in Spanish.
2: That is so funny. Okay. And then you talked about how your business is growing so rapidly. So what has been the hardest thing about, because you know, it's, it's a wonderful problem but we've actually run into this too on our in our private practice but like when you have to scale up really quickly when your growth trajectory goes better let's say than what you had planned how does that work for you kind of how did you sort through that and um we just love to hear more about the story that part of entrepreneurship from you
1: Sure. So when I first took over, we were backfilling an old catering facility in Gretna, which is on the other side of the river. And if you live in New Orleans, there's only two bridges, and it's a full scale nightmare if you live on one side and work on the other. So generally, people try to avoid that at all costs. So in 2018, the like mid 2018 to early 2019, I had looked at over 30 different facilities trying to find the right space for us to move into. And it's really difficult when you're talking about manufacturing, you need a loading dock, but also. Um, distribution wise with sales you need offices like the requirements of what we needed in a space were hard to find here in New Orleans so I got you know really sick of it and ultimately signed a lease on a building that was a little bit smaller than we needed a little bit more expensive than what I wanted to pay but it worked really well I have a two-year-old at the time she was a newborn but it, it was gonna work well with our life and it was just worth the extra money to pay for it so we signed that lease in February of 2019 After building it out, we moved in in October of last year, so we've been in it for almost exactly one year, and that was supposed to be the building that got us through three to five years, and then once the pandemic hit, I would say by May 15th, we had already outgrown the building because we had scaled so much so quickly, so we are currently trying to expedite our plans for growth, finding another building, making sure that we can build, is it going to be able to scale 10x, not just 2 or 3x, which is you know, what happened this go round, Um, but it's a lot of forecasting and then also making sure that your forecasts are living documents, and I go back and I look at that like a complete psycho every single day, but it's the only way to make sure that we're on the right path, and a lot of this has really changed because of COVID, and it's also- you're kind of gambling. We think a lot about how much of the business is going to go back to pre COVID, how much of it is going to stay the way that it is. A lot of our distribution and supply chain uh, issues are probably here to stay, at least in the medium term. Um, but it's a lot of projections and planning. And um, I would say that's probably what I'm worst at. It's really hard to figure
0: it out. Do you, um, I, I love you saying that your dad brought you into the business, I mean, from the get go, which is so amazing. I know Lauren and I both like try to get our girls here, you know, and then you just realize just even that small amount of exposure, pulling them into the business, letting them learn. But is that where you think you learn most of your like business sense and like how to read those reports and what you need um, and like the team to surround you? Because I know that that's been something that's been unique for me because, you know, the business that the entrepreneur oftentimes is that vision and the business and like, how you want to do it. And then when it starts running and things start happening, all of a sudden you're like, this is a business. Like we've got to run that. I mean, have you taught yourself what to do?
1: I love Auburn War Eagle forever, but I learned more from my dad than I have ever learned from any Auburn class, every Auburn class. Like I just, I did. And I was really interested in it um, you know, I have five siblings and I'm the only person who is an entrepreneur and on my own, I have, a, I have two siblings that work for my father and family and one, one runs the distillery another works in the real estate company, but I'm the only person who had the gumption to go out and do this on my own. And, um, I was nervous to do it, but I think, uh, it, especially now three and a half years in and with all the success we've had, it's something that my dad especially is really proud of and we bond over. Uh, but it's great to have a parent that I can call and talk to. But I I think I was different than most of my friends in that, you know, in middle school and high school, I was flying to Vegas to work the real estate convention with my dad. There's a big, it's called the ICSC. It's a big real estate, commercial real estate convention in Vegas every year. Uh, so by the time I got to college, I already knew how to build pro formas. And, you know, I was really interested in the business side of things, whereas most of my friends were like, yeah, sorority party, whatever, uh, and I would like doing that too, but the business side of it was always really interesting to me, so I would say by the time I graduated, I knew that ultimately I was going to work and learn from as many people as I could in my 20s, so that by the time my 30s hit, I would be ready, but then when it was time, and I had the opportunity to get El Guapo, it's interesting that I was nervous to do it, but ultimately I did, and I'm, I'm glad that I, you know, took a leap of faith.
0: Yeah. Well, so with all that background knowledge, how how has that helped you um, being one of the few women-owned manu- women manufacturing businesses in the country? I mean, has that been a difficult experience or has that been something that you've used to your advantage?
1: So I would say both. Uh, it's definitely the good old boys club still, and that can be super frustrating. I... Um, made a promise to myself in 2019 that i was going to get my woman-owned business certification because that opens a lot of doors with supplier diversity deals uh, and things that you can do with larger corporations so it took six months it's really annoying if anyone on this call wants to get your woman-owned business certification i'm happy to have a 30-minute call and explain the nightmare that is that process but it's totally worth it Um, once i got it i uh, i applied through the costco supplier diversity portal Within two weeks, I was on a plane to Dallas and I pitched, then they told me beforehand, you know, don't expect to hear an answer within the next two to three months. It takes a while. I got a supplier diversity deal for the 24 stores in our region on the spot. Uh, And a lot of that. Yeah, which was super exciting. I think that really built my confidence a lot last year uh but being able to do that we're talking to target you know there's a lot of other opportunities that have come out of getting that woman owned business certification i think that that being a woman owned business opens a lot of doors especially if you're a minority and you can get your minority or lgbtq certification that also opens a lot of doors uh working with other women owned businesses uh you know i'm actually here at my friend morgan's salon i try to support as many woman owned black owned businesses as possible that's really important to me um but from like the manufacturing side of things and business side it it's interesting like if my name was chris and not krista i would get a different response because a lot of times on the manufacturing side of things or like actually trying to get things done and in banking in particular um it is a it's still a boys network and i hate that but you know i'm doing the most that i can to break through and having advocates that are men on my side like my father has really worked to my advantage but Uh, being a woman in business is still really tough. And I find that to be really unfortunate in the year 2020.
2: Yeah, we've found the same thing. I mean, it's just, you wish it wasn't the case, but it still is. And so then, but but I'm with you. I mean, some of our greatest supporters have have also been men. So, uh, you know, not to kind of like use them as allies has been really helpful, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, And have them as allies. So, okay, so let's flip because everybody loves your marketing, your branding, and like, how you built this social media kind of following and why you decided to market that way because some people it's like to do social media not to do social media you know it's a question um how much should you put into that effort any kind of um tips tricks how you thought through that we'd love to just kind of get in your head about that for a minute
1: sure so my background is in advertising and i do feel that the social connection is really important i think that's how for us a lot of our biggest advocates are looking for recipes they're looking on social media to see you know oh, we're having a party this weekend or we are you know interested in having a margarita how do we make that so we tried to connect Uh, our, we have a recipe blog and we post recipes that we post on our blog, on social media. We answer a ton of questions. People ask, you know, the best way to make this drink or how do you use this ingredient? Or especially since the pandemic, we don't really encourage people to drink every single night of the week, which a lot of people are doing at home. So we've started posting a lot of zero proof, you know, no alcohol drink alternatives using our products, uh, to give people another option. And the social component of that is really, really important um i do like to say that you can't be everywhere at once so we're not active on twitter Uh, we don't pay that much attention to our facebook but we're really on the spot on instagram and we do utilize our pinterest page to post new recipes and we try to connect that with our blog as much as possible and i do feel like if you have a brand that's more lifestyle or um you know consumer focused if you're direct to consumer the social piece is really going to give you a boost in getting people to your website and placing orders with you uh, and it's really important. Um, I don't have an agency that runs ours. If you are watching our Instagram or you know, seeing the, the blog posts that get put up or our e- email newsletter, that is me. Uh, I do have a Tulane student, uh, Katie, that actually started when I had my daughter Flora to help me with Flora and she's interested in business. So she started helping me a little bit on the newsletter side and getting more interested in social media. But by and large, that is me. And I feel like from a brand perspective, it's really important for as long as you can not outsource that so that people get your voice and it really shines through because as soon as it's another third party managing that, you kind of lose that connection. And, you know, eventually it has to happen to everybody. Sarah Blakely is not running Spanks website and social media anymore, but as long as you can keep that in house and do it, even though it's time consuming, it's worth it because people can hear from you and you're the person that people are really investing in. Even if they like your products, they like you before they like the product usually.
2: Yeah, that's a really good word. I mean, and we found the same thing, like yeah. it, we've had people help us with strategy and all those things, but really when we, when we look back, we think, and I mean, I do all of our stories and I like it that way for now. I mean, if I can do it forever, great. I don't think that will be the case, but I like it. And I think having kind of this, you can almost tell when it's, a real founder running your page, or I mean, I think you can tell. So, anyway, yeah.
0: Well, I think too, I think people sense the that it's you. I mean, even having met you the few times that I have, like when I look at Instagram, it's like I'm talking to you. And I think just having that genuine approach to it that people relate to that and come to it. Lauren and I have this conversation, so. I'm asking for a friend, um, but I have a really hard time with social media. It's just we're trying to dig into it. I might need to go see a counselor about it. But she's so good at it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just find this so difficult. It's like I'm being vulnerable, like in front of all these people. You know. So did it come naturally to you? Is it because it comes naturally to Lauren? I mean, she doesn't. It's it not. It's much. just I don't care what other people think. And I'm like, I don't think of myself that way. But anyway, all that to be
1: said. So I I feel like it practice makes perfect. The more you do it, the better it is. But also set some rules for yourself, the colors that you want to use, the tone of voice, first person or third person really matters. You want consistency between posts. So if somebody scrolls back and sees six months ago to a year ago, you want it to look like and sound like what you sound like in person but also be consistent so that it's not changing all over the place um i would say that it ours has evolved a little bit over the years we've gotten way better since the pandemic about taking our own pictures we're not just relying on our restaurant and celebrity chef partners to send us like hey this cocktail's on our menu halfway because all their restaurants are closed which is another conversation for another day but we've gotten way better at our imagery and just getting everything together uh and you know it I don't know, I think the social piece is really important and I would say I probably spend 10 to 15% of my time on any given week on collectively, Instagram, the newsletter that gives recipes and then the recipe blog to make sure that we're posting new things, the pictures match and that it all kind of flows together because even since the pandemic, we've seen on our recipe blog, the traffic that goes to the blog in any given month since March, is equal or greater to the traffic that went to the blog in a full calendar year for 2018 or 2019. So that's like 12 times the traffic of people looking for drinks and searching for recipes. And we really pay attention to that. And if people are searching for something um, like for instance, we didn't have a Gimlet on there and we kept seeing Gimlet pop up. So we were really sure to grab that lime cordial, make a Gimlet and shoot it. And so we could put it on the blog because if we wanted people to be able to search that and actually find a result and be able to buy the product uh, to make the drink,
2: that's a good word. Mm-hmm. Well, so you know, we
0: love to talk about money on the wealth edit. <laughs> <is. laughs> um, what I guess, why would you say that it's important that women begin talking about money? What would be just for the women, the, the women that are maybe intend- intimidated about it, like why it would be a good time to start? So I
1: grew up in a family with a very strong male head of household. He has a very strong network of friends that's been able to propel him to really high places. He's a successful entrepreneur with myriad different businesses, and he's very good at what he does and very well respected. Um, What I learned from an early age is that he had uh, his management team of C-suite employees across all the businesses were all men. There were no women. Um, And I noticed that men are very comfortable talking about money but then I never really saw women in my private life in um, positions of power and I definitely didn't see women talking about money and it's something that I've noticed from a really young age. And I think that in order for women to level the playing field on a business perspective, uh, we have to start talking about money. We have to start making connections. We have to connect our friends that need help in certain areas with other women who are experts in that field uh, to propel us all Forward, I think rising tides raise all ships, and the money piece specific to women is something that's really important and still is sort of a taboo topic. And a lot of women don't like to talk about it. And it doesn't matter if you're a salesperson or if you're a CEO, uh, money matters to everyone, and we all need to be cognizant of it and figure out ways to invest and make ourselves independent and wealthy in our like in our own right, independent from a man. Uh, you don't. I'm a big big proponent of I miss independent part one you don't need a man to be successful in life and I've learned that lesson the hard way um, I gave up my career between top chef and buying El Guapo and I don't really talk about that a lot but I did I married someone that had a lot of issues with addiction and I gave up my entire career and El Guapo is really what propelled me to get back into the business world and you know, do this full time, and it really, in a lot of ways, saved me. And now, um, you know, I'm very proud of where we've come. But um, you know, we all have struggles, and the the financial piece is what really sets you free. And I think it's important
2: to talk about it. I totally agree. And I mean, I think whether it's inside business or outside, if you're just in your home, like you've got to have a handle on it. And um, it, you are right that it gives you this force field of independence throughout your life that is important. And that's the one thing that we see in our private practice. I've been doing this now for 14 years, um, just dealing with people's private wealth. And anytime I meet someone at a cocktail party, any woman, truly, it's like nine out of 10 women, we meet at a cocktail party and I say, oh, I'm in wealth management. And they they say with that, like before I even have management out, they're like, I don't know anything about money. Like I know nothing about money. And I, it it's almost like it's, it's like our gut reaction as a force field to like not talk about it because we're in the South. But really I was thinking back, I'm like, I really didn't know anything about money either before I started learning about it. And women are so good at being resilient, pivoting, just like you did, you know, like, okay, life wasn't going exactly how I planned, but like, I've got something else in me, you know, called at this point, El Guapo Bitters, which is awesome. So I just love that. I love your story. Thank you for sharing it with us. It means a lot. Um, so what's next for El Guapo?
1: Oh Lord. Um, so we have our two largest national media placements coming out. Um, I had to sign NDAs and I can't specifically say what they are, but hopefully um, the wealth edit will be sharing the news soon. We're very excited. And uh, one of them is something that I've worked for for a solid three and a half years. Uh, so We are preparing for a busy holiday season. I think it'll be interesting for all retailers who sell online, whether you're 100% direct to consumer or it's just a component of your business. In some states, I think that stores will still have limited capacity or be closed and more people than ever will be shopping online. So we're preparing for that. And then also, you know, the scaling thing, like I said, we grew out of our facility. So I am trying to buy a building for the first time, which... You think I'd be really confident in because my family does commercial real estate, but it's also really scary because you have to put your money where your mouth is. And we're trying to, you know, not just get a facility that'll work for the next one to two years. We're trying to get something that'll work for the next decade. Uh, So that's that's my big goal is to come up with a plan that works by the end of the year. Yeah,
2: that's awesome. And you kind of answered this when you talked about the money, but why did you say yes to come on today? We always like to ask our people this. We're so grateful for the women that are willing to come on and talk to our membership, but why did you specifically say yes?
1: Well, so New Orleans is interesting. There's so many artistic creative people here, and you would think that there would be a community force where we all get together, and we all talk about it, and my friend Morgan and I regularly talk about you know, we need to get a group together. We need to get a cocktail. We need to do a zoom, whatever, uh, to talk about business struggles because we're all dealing with the same thing. And new Orleans, for whatever reason, we just don't have a solid female entrepreneurial group that's connecting people. And I saw very early that the wealth edit was doing that. So initially uh, my friend Hattie uh, told me about this. And initially when, um, I, I think I, I just, I made the first thing I did was the quiz. So when I did that and was interested in finding out more, it was because other women entrepreneurs that I respect uh, were talking about it, and I thought it was really cool, and then once I met Emily and Lauren, uh, I just really liked it and have hung around and enjoying it.
2: I'm so glad. Yeah. Well, we're so glad to have you as a member. You're awesome, and we can't wait to... We're launching in New Orleans next. We did Atlanta first because it's so geographically co- close, but we can't wait to come to New Orleans. Right. We're so excited. We are so
0: excited and looking forward to getting to meet you in person, so hopefully yeah. you'll be there when
2: we're there. Um, um I- yeah,
0: uh, no, well, it's going to be the week of November 15. 15. We haven't picked the exact day of that week.
2: Yeah. Let a girl know, I'll be here, I'll try to be here. <laughs> <laughs> and she's also doing, we're having for our private practice, she's sending bitters kids to all of our clients. Which is I really know, fun. Virtual excited. happy hour, we're so excited. We're having our own El Guapo Bitters virtual happy hour. So that's so fun. Yes. So, um, well, Krista, how should we, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Should they Instagram you? What What's the deal?
1: yes yeah, so instagram we're at el guapo bitters and then um, our what if you want to buy our website is the best place and if you want to get in touch with me i check all the dms so el guapo bitters and then personally on instagram i'm at hurricane underscore krista and we talk a lot uh, or like I, get, I just post a lot of pictures of my dog and my kid i'm very boring but if you want to follow along
0: you <laughs> awesome
2: thank you so much and then um yeah does anyone have any questions before we go we don't want to um you can unmute your line or you can ask in the chat feature it's usually a pretty quiet bunch all right well thank you so much we appreciate you
1: thank you i hope everybody has a good day
0: we hope you enjoyed our podcast today If you want to learn more about our website, please check us out at www.wealthedit.com. The Wealth Edit is an online membership-based community for women looking to confidently discuss and expand their knowledge of personal finance. Our community provides a space for women of all ages to gather, learn, and plan their financial journey through virtual courses, weekly guest speakers, and educational content.